Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. episode of Wookie Radio. It is the Smugglers 3, Ken, Derek, and myself, Mike. How's everyone doing? Not Good. bad. A little tired. We always do these things so late at night. <laughs> what are you trying to imply? <laughs> that I turn into a pumpkin at a certain point. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, I, I will agree, yes. I'm just as tired. It's, God, it's been a long week. I don't know mm-hmm. why. I don't know why. Um, well... Let's get the business stuff out of the way real quick. Check out WookieRadio.net. Check out our affiliates. Ripped Apparel, Superhero Stuff, Loot Crate, TV Store Online. And, you know, I'm kind of, it's over, you can find this over on on, uh, WeBeGeeks.net. But it's worth bringing up here as well for the simple fact. I know my local hockey team has done it. I've seen it. You know, we talked about it where the NHL teams have done it. Star Wars night. Baseball does it all the time. Um, I'm waiting to see it happen in, in football. Uh, the NBA has done it. Check out a new affiliate to Weeby Geeks, and I think I'm going to bring their stuff over to bring the link over to Wookie Radio as well, and that's Fan Chest. It's, a, it's sort of like superhero stuff. It's a buy a box as you want to go. It's not a subscription. It's buy it as you need it type deal. Um, and they cover college, NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL, NHL, um, variety of boxes. You get them for babies if you know, if you've got a friend who's a big sports fan. And they're and, and right now, teams are still kind of limited. But say you're a Patriots fan. Uh, there's none of those on this show. Thankfully, oh wait, <laughs> never mind. There might not be after this season coming up since they lost half their offensive line. Um, but say Derek knows someone who's having a baby and they're big Patriots fans. They offer there may be a Patriots baby box available where you can help get that baby started now with a bunch of stuff. But it'd be great for birthdays uh, since the NHL is about ready to go into the playoffs great time to get a get your box for the playoffs because i think most of the playoff teams are are listed or there's some playoff teams available um college football oh especially when football or college sports especially with football coming up in a few months get your stuff before football season get your stuff before you go to star wars night at your local venue for baseball this summer it's a cool thing. It's sports and geek do interact. They do crossover. They do mash together. It's worth checking it out. Um, I did a review on WeebyGeeks.net of the box I got. I really loved it. Um, so check out that. Or if you want a T-shirt, check out T-shirts on T Public. There. Wookie Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Wookie at WookieRadio.net if you got some stuff for us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. There, business is done. On with the topics. Just handling some business. I, I gotta figure out how to shorten up the the other. Well, I'll be shorter next next week because I don't have to hype up Fanchest as much about what it is. Ah, but yeah, check out Fanchest. It's, it's some good. There's some good stuff. I may have to look into it and see what they got for Indian stuff. Nothing at the moment. What? <laughs> or I would have oh. got. Or I would have gotten an Indian's box instead of, <laughs> instead of my that, Tampa Bay Lightning box. It's all good. The Indians won their home opener today, so it's all good. Yes. Thank God. With Against an awesome um, double play to end the game. Yeah. I, I caught that on uh, a review. They got Cavalier so, stuff. Yeah. 
That's just because everybody's all big Cavs fans now that the Cavs have actually been in the playoffs and championships and stuff. Uh, I, that still didn't get me into basketball. I don't know. I, I'll watch football when it's on. Baseball, I'll actually, I'm a big fan of the Indians, but I never could get into basketball. I tried. I'm still trying to figure out which Cleveland Indians hat I want to get. I like the, the classic design with the C. Yeah, but which version? The navy or the or the red? If I remember, they have the navy with the red bill. That's just that's the classic Cleveland logo, Cleveland design. Yeah, well, there's a couple of them. There's there's the classic, which the C almost looks like the uh, Cincinnati Red Sea. Mm-hmm. There there's the block C in red on the blue hat, blue on the red hat, or white on the red hat. Yeah, I've, I've been scouting them all. I I don't know what I want to get. I don't know if I want to get a Chief Wahoo hat since that's this yeah. is probably going to be the last year of that. No, I don't see him going away totally just because there's so many fans that embrace the character still already still. Yeah. No matter what controversy is, the fans don't want him to go away. I I agree. I mean, I don't see it as that much of a slight, but I don't know the history enough. Yeah. I wanted to say I thought at one time it was created by Native American, but. Oh well, on to Star it Wars. It wasn't. Probably wasn't. But I heard a whole thing on it the other day. A podcast. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that is neither to, here nor there. Let's go to France. Do we have to? Well, at least we should at least go to Cannes on May. Really? Now the Cannes Film Festival is probably one of the bi- the biggest well known um, film festivals in the whole world. It's from um, May eighth through the nineteenth this year. And Star Wars is actually making a presence there. Ooh. Now, this isn't the first time. Uh, in 2002, Attack of the Clones premiered at Cannes. In 2005, Revenge of the Sith br- premiered at Cannes. Well, this year, Solo, a Star Wars story, is making an appearance at Cannes. At, um, on May 15th, they're doing a special screening, which is 10 days before the May 25th um, premiere here in, uh, or globally. I guess it looks like everywhere in the gl- world, it's opening same day. Um, they have the actual full press release here, which has a lot of stuff that we are um, we already know about. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's anything in here that gives it a little bit different. Um, see if there's any new information there in this. This um, anybody who happens to be going to Cannes, and actually, if you are going to Cannes and you're going to see this, we will gladly have you here on Wookie Radio to talk about the the premiere and what it was like and what you saw while you were there. Oh yeah, I'm a, see. I threw that on these guys because they didn't even know I was going to say that. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, I've I've thrown it on my other shows. If someone goes, if you go to a convention, um, reach out to us. We we need. We're not able to go to every convention out there in the world, but if you're going and doing something Star Warsy, drop us an email. Michael, talk to you about it. We'll figure out something to here. Yeah, we we could use a con correspondence and stuff. We There's would, a lot of Star Wars happening all the time. We would love different convention correspondence. Have you on the show? Especially, Talk about it. Yeah, especially this weekend. C2E2 is out, um, out in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, Spooky Empire's running. Well, mm-hmm. there's not much Star Wars in that, but yeah. um, there's another there's another show going on this weekend. I think. But we're we're coming into heavy convention season, guys. Uh, so we need all of our um, rebel operatives out there that are out at all the conventions and stuff to even if all you do is send us an email saying what it was like at the show, who you met, who you saw. Um, so let it drop a line. It's what's the email again, Mike? Wookie, Wookie at WookieRadio.net. Wookie at WookieRadio.net is how you access us on the Smugglers Network. That's right. So, um, but yeah, it looks like anybody going to Cannes on the May 15th, you're going to get a chance to see Solo, a Star Wars story, before anybody else. Um, let's see. The description they have for the movie here is alongside Alden Ehrenreich, who plays Han Solo, the cast includes Woody Harrelson, Emilia Clark. Okay, we know all that. Yeah, they have very little about the actual what the movie's about. It's just about um, the saga's second spinoff will be unveiled at on the screen of the Grand Theater Lumiere. Um, this episode takes back takes us back to the youth of the famous smuggler, ace pilot, and charming scoundrel Han Solo. Written by Lawrence and Jonathan Kasdan, directed by Ron Howard, who um, starred in American Graffiti, and directed numerous popular and critical hits like Apollo 13, A Beautiful Mind, and Oscars for Best Film and Director. Um, the interesting thing is they didn't put down the other Lucasfilm project he worked on. He was the director on Willow. Yeah. And all the Star Wars fans know. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yes. It's the first time Warwick Davis's face was actually seen on screen. Yeah, he was still a kid when he did that one because when he did Jedi, he was what twelve, and that was yeah. like early eighties. So by the mid eighties, he's had to have been he couldn't have been more than fifteen, sixteen, seventeen when he made Willow. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, with Val Kilmer. Yes. Yeah, it looks like that's all the major information here, other than the fact, um, like I said, go. 
It's at the um, Grand Theater Lumiere on the 15th. So this is kind of cool because, like like I said here, this is only the third time that Star Wars has actually been at Cannes. And everybody who, or any movie who's anybody has premiered at Cannes, it seems like. So. But we do have a little bit more solo news. That we do. And uh, there's been a bit of a closer look at a couple of the new uh, Imperial Troopers solo a Star Wars story. Uh, usually uh, with each movie, we seem to get a, a new batch of troopers introduced to us. And uh, in Solo, we're going to get two troopers, one called the Range Trooper and another called the Mud Trooper, <laughs> which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, so there's been there's been an image of each, each one released. Uh, looks like <clears throat> excuse me, kind of looks like the poster images, uh, and um, they're interesting looking in that they're not they're not ex- they're not exactly stormtroopers per se. They don't exactly look ex- like stormtroopers at first glance, but you can definitely see bits of the stormtroopers in in them. Well, the Mud Trooper, to me, looks like something that came from a steampunk-inspired yeah. sketch of four Stormtrooper that we've seen yeah, in the yeah. past. And, and, looks yeah, like, it does. And a very German influence, too, with those tubes yeah. and the way everything looks. The yeah. interesting thing, if you look, goggles in the front of that black helmet are actually not part of the helmet. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's a strap behind there. I'm wondering, yeah. they're calling these stormtroopers, but I don't know if that's Lucasfilm's calling them that or not because it's almost to me feel like planetary militia that yeah, they're trying to look like imperial troopers. But you know, well, yeah, and, and we know that. Uh, oh, go ahead, Mike. I was gonna say the quote unquote goggles on the mud trooper have a look almost similar to uh, Kylo Ren yeah, as well, but but also kind of almost has that same look of what Ray uses on Jakku mm-hmm. a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Now, now, the Range Trooper is kind of cool looking, but the Mud Trooper is the one I keep going back to because he almost feels like he would fit in with, um, what's his name, Saul Guerrero's troops on... Yeah. Um, Oh yeah, yeah. Now the chest armor on on the range trooper looks v- very similar to um, to the uh, at at well an officer's armor chest plate, mm. but the the range trooper looks like a mix of a snow trooper and the scarif trooper's helmet or the yeah. short the short yeah the yeah. scarif trooper's helmet or the um, the tank driver's helmet. Which those were almost the exact same helmet. Yeah. What I, I'm not kind of not understanding is um, we know where Stormtroopers started at with the clone armor. Right. And you see the finished Stormtrooper armor in the original trilogy, and there's not that huge of difference in between. Where are all these other ones coming out? Of, it's like seems like every time they do a movie between three and four, they have to put out new troopers and things. I mean, other than selling toys and merch. Right. Why did why are we just getting Stormtroopers? Well, like I said, uh, planetary militia that are not officially stormtroopers. That's well, different. we know one thing is the trooper come from Mimban. Yeah. Uh, and it looks like the range trooper is present in high scene planet for the range trooper has boots. boot uh, is that they might be magnetized boots. They can they can stay up. So you, you might be right. They might not fight like low trooper and not because they they don't have they don't necessarily have the clean and look mm-hmm. impaired so they could just be Russia or something I mean these could be imperial troops but this they don't yell imperial to me like no. you said it, they're not clean imperial I mean from the clones all the way up even clones in the middle of battle their armor shines somehow yeah <laughs> it was a matter of removing all personal identity and well the clones had no personal identity officially but um and then the stormtroopers was removing all personal identity so that every one of them was the same these look very mm-hmm. stylized very you can make slight adjustments to it depending on who's wearing it right well when i was talking about the range trooper here's put it in a, our skype chat here's the the assault tank drive pilot You'll see the the helmet there. Yeah, I'm trying to find the sh- yeah. shore trooper. But you still look here, and um, the armor looks like it's a little bit dirty, but it's still clean lines. It's very spit and polished military. Yeah, yeah. Even like the the sand troopers on Tatooine, 
mm-hmm. even in all the sand and dust, they still they still were. Yeah, yeah. And the short trooper, both of these, the tank driver from Rogue One and the short trooper, look like a variation on scout armor. Yeah, right. Yeah, but with, with this, it's the same helmet. To me, it looks like this is the same helmet as as the assault tank driver. Yeah, it's similar. I mean, similar. They, yeah, it's it's very similar. That's why I said I th- this this reminds me of maybe like a planetary militia that is not officially mil or um, imperial military, but they may be buying supplies from the military or something and modif- and making modifications or allowing them to be modified for wh- whoever's using it. Yeah. Or they're getting their designs from the same pl- armor places that the Imperials get in their army. Well, or armor. Well, we got to remember, too, after the Clone Wars, each governor had their own clone army, so to speak. And, True. And with their, with their own variation of what they want. That's possible. But like I said, I, I'm kind of hoping these were um, either that or these are um, – I forget the villain's name in um, Rogue – um, solo but if these guys are working with him or something yeah see i can see, kind of like if this was actually pieced together from parts of armor they got from other people well i can i can see the mud trooper being that the range trooper uh, that's that's almost the the clone galactic marine which turned into the snow trooper armor yeah because you see the arc trooper uh, waist skirt, which the snow troopers had. So it almost made me wonder if snow troopers were, were arc troopers or arc commanders at some point. It's possible. Huh? Yeah. Um, but the chest plate is that snow trooper chest plate and, and cod piece. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But like I said, I keep going back to how dirty this is and how di- it's like uh, Imperial military. I can't see them get, letting it get this worn. You see all the black spots on the armor and stuff. I can't. That would never pass inspection on any Imperial base in the entire galaxy. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we did have some that were that looked like that from Tatooine as well. Yeah, but that was also they were on Tatooine. Um, they weren't. I don't think they were guys that. Uh, I don't think their armor looked like that after they got back to the barracks. No, not after they got. That back was one to of those the while they're in the desert that happens when you get back to the barracks. You clean that. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Or to get back to the the Star Destroyer because there was a garrison in um, at Mos Eisley, but yeah. Now, did you cover? I'm trying to remember, Derek, because I was trying to look up the other stuff. You you covered where these troopers are, are coming from, right? The different planets. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So yeah, like like what was said, the range trooper seems to be present on the uh, on the train heist. Yeah. So I well, hang on a second. We'll keep going. I'm, I'm wondering where else they they could potentially be used because I don't remember seeing seeing them in the uh, well. I vaguely remember seeing the range trooper on the tra- in the trailer. I don't remember seeing the mud trooper. I don't either. We have to go back and yeah, they've they've got the te- look and motion again. They've got the teaser right underneath the story. Yeah, but then again, the Falcon looks so clean too. So I mean, this is kind of hard to believe. But, uh, oh, it's probably still relatively new. Yeah, it's a shame. It needs to be dirtied up. <laughs> it probably will be by the well, end. Well, like like we said, this is what the Falcon looks like when Lando owns it. Later on, we see what it looks like when Han owns it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. See, this looks, but hang on, let me, I'm dropping in the Skype chat. This is actually the range trooper that I think is just the picture that they had there didn't look right. This actually has a range trooper I could buy as Imperial, the one I ju- that I'm sending now. I don't know if you can see the whole image there. I don't know. Yeah, it brings it up. Yeah. That one's somewhat clean and stuff. And actually, according to Wikipedia, they have it on here. They're range right, troopers, yeah. specialized variants of the Galactic Empire's stormtroopers. They're equipped with helmets similar to the, in design to both the Imperial Combat Assault tank pilots and death trooper helmets. Uh, heavy armor with fur and a chest plate, uh, much like that of the cold weather assault stormtroopers. And we're armed with E-11-like blasters. Well, that's the I thing think- that the we saw previously it was it was you know like a poster image so it was it was um, yeah artistically stylized a little dirt yeah stylized to be look dirty and stuff so see but so that that may again with the range trooper it goes back to what we've talked about before it has that western the old west feel to it yeah as yeah. well so the old west <laughs> old west german feel <laughs> It, it it just goes with uh, what's your name f- from uh, Blazing Saddles. 
Yeah, and see, the I found the Mud Trooper. Because hmm. according to this, it says Mud Troopers were a type of stor- soldier used by the Galactic Empire on the swamp planet of Memban. So that's all they put on here. So that that's just what people are thinking. Because you got to remember, Wikipedia is fan curated. Right. Some way. So it's just, this is right. what people are putting together from what they've seen. That doesn't mean that's what this is. The, the Mud Troopers are at the at the command of Lily Von Stop. Stop. <laughs> Because she's tired. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> so, well. It's going to be interesting to see. We've got li- just a little over a month till we get there. Yeah, yeah. And so when does the tickets actually go on sale? Anybody know? Probably won't go on sale till maybe the first of the month at this stage in the game. Yeah. Yeah, because it seemed like we were getting a rollout of a lot of different things coming for Solo. And then when the um, Last Jedi uh, later stuff started dropping, the book, the Blu-ray DVD and everything else, all of a sudden we dried up on Solo news. It seems like give it another week or so and all of a sudden they'll start rolling it out again. Well, Which is the problems with having this so close to The Last Jedi again. But we we had um, Super Bowl, which people were going if there was almost near riots if we didn't have some sort of trailer i mean we still haven't had full trailer we've only had teasers well this is a movie that i don't think they need a full trailer yeah i don't think so everybody knows this is coming they're the people who are going to get super excited are already super excited yeah it's like people know this is coming yeah it's coming soon but but i think people are still wanting to, to see, a, you know, they want more than just a tease. Yeah. I, I think it's one of the big things they want. They want more than just a tease. Yeah, um, sure. But at this point, do we really need one? Yes and no. I mean, for me, I'm going to be a little greedy. I would, yeah, we've had the Super Bowl spot. Great. We've had the teaser. Great. Even if the regular trailer is only 15 seconds more and gives us a glimpse of one or two new characters we hadn't seen, I want something that's considered a full trailer. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go in the opposite direction and say I don't want a full trailer. I don't want to see any more until the movie comes out. Well, at this point, we may not see the full trailer until the end of the month with Avengers. True. This is true, too. Or They won't we... do it this way, but it's like that would be interesting if they actually did finally release it in theaters first and then on Monday drop it on the Internet. Mm. Yeah, that's true, too. But I would I would definitely be okay with not seeing any more trailers. Yeah, I don't know. That's because I don't like to see too much before the movie comes out. Yeah. Which always it's Actually, one thing I do kind of like about this that we haven't seen because a lot of times you end up seeing way too much and so as and so far that hasn't really happened with the movie yeah yeah this is like the first star wars movie going into that really we don't have we got that trailer but there's not a whole lot of other information out there right right yeah they've actually been able to keep this one pretty much under wraps so far yeah and i think that's what's kind of driving everyone a little nuts it's because we're we're used to seeing so much, mm-hmm. but we haven't gotten it. Well, also the the other factor of it is the hype train is nowhere near as big as it has been for the other movies so far. Right at this point, before for Rogue One, for Last Jedi, and for Force Awakens, we were a month and a half out. We were ready to go. Everybody was chomping the bit, saying, "Where's this movie?" It was the most anticipated movie at that point. Right. There's a lot of people. The the problem is, um, we talked about this on um, on uh, Geek Watch One the uh, last week was um, with our second quarter movie previews. The summer is very, very much front-loaded. Yeah. Because well, once you get past Solo, there's not that much in the way of huge tentpole movies left in the summer. Because we get um, Avengers at the end of April. Right. Um, you got Deadpool in the beginning of May. Um, and then Solo. And then I think Disney has The Incredibles and there's um, uh, Jurassic World 2 are both in June, I believe. Yeah. But other than that, we got Ant-Man and Wasp and I'm not sure what, uh, that's about it for summer. That's for what, big July, right? movies. There's plenty of other stuff in there. Yeah, Ant-Man and Wasp I think is July. But usually. But there's a couple other things in there, but nothing else that's big, huge, this is the, what you got to go see movie. Well, usually August 
even though it's still considered part of the summer blockbusters, August has, for the last few years, they've been, like, very weak. Yeah. So. But at this point, it's like there's only there's like four huge tentpole movies, and well, Incredibles two is going to be up there with these ones. So five huge movies yeah. that by the time you get to the end of June, you're it. That's it. Yeah. I mean, Ant Man and Wasp is going to do well, but it's not going to pull um, Black Panther and Avengers money. Yeah. Yeah. And that's amusing. Who would have thought two years ago that you're putting um, Black Panther on par with like the Avengers when it comes to box office? This is true. I mean, somebody at Marvel knows what they're doing. <laughs> at least when it comes to movies. Yeah, that's for sure. Whereas keeping it all connected, uh, sure. All <laughs> <sighs> right. So, um, so yeah. Well, speaking of Avengers and all that, comics. Of course, we yes. know I'm. We're all comic geeks here, but I really tend to be all over the place with the Star Wars stuff. Um, StarWars.com had 12 things we learned from the latest Star Wars The Last Jedi comics. Now you're going, wait a second, because I kind of did this when I saw this myself. What do you mean, Last Jedi comics? They haven't come out yet. Well, okay. How about comics that were based around The Last Jedi? Yeah, the events happen in, in um, either right before or right during The Last Jedi. Right. Now, we're not talking the journey to The Last Jedi that came out, which would have Captain, you know, would have the Phasma book. Uh, we're talking the Storms of Crate, where they go back to the first time they discover the the, the planet of Crate. Um or go to it for a potential base of operations uh, during the rebellion time. Or, you know, and of course, DJ the Most Wanted, or DJ Most Wanted, uh, which leads, well, it kind of leads up to The Last Jedi as well, but they didn't bring this book out leading up to the actual movie. Uh, came out afterwards. Uh, Forces of Destiny, the Rosen Page issue, and Star Wars Adventures number five and six. Um, in the Storms of Crate, an ally of the late Bell Organa has tipped Leia off about the planet um, and how it would be perfectly suited to be the Alliance's new home. But a but Scar Squadron, which we we have met earlier in the actual Star Wars title, I believe was it Star Wars or Afra? I think it was in the Star Wars title. Yeah. It's it's in the Star Wars title. No, it's in the Star Wars title because we 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 meet the Scar Squadron around the time. That's right. Yeah, that the rebels captured the Star Destroyer, which I want to say is one of the first times we truly see them in action. Which Mm -hmm. I would love to see Hasbro make those figures as well. Man, there's so many figures out of the comics I would love to see done outside of Afra. I mean, there's some great stuff there. Um. Of course, if I looked at the story a little further, um, but Scar Squadron, an elite stormtrooper unit that reports directly to Darth Vader, first introduced in Marvel's flagship Star Wars title. Duh. I I knew that. I really did. Um, mm-hmm. Shows up to throw, uh, Leia's survey expedition. Uh, now, DJ Most Wanted, written by Ben Acker and Ben Blacker, who write the Join the Resistance books, um, sheds new light on the two-faced co-breaker who calls himself DJ. And, of course, the Tico brothers share a spotlight in Rose and Page. Uh-huh. Tico brothers. Or brothers? sisters. <laughs> God. It's the, it's the Tico sisters Taco brothers. Okay. Sure. Um, yeah, and, of course, there, you know, there's a, a story that takes place on Dakar prior to The Force Awakens um, in in the Force of Destiny book, Star Wars Adventures 5 and 6 contains s- several shorts. Um, of course, you know, they're all as bit of fun as you expect, you know, coming from Delilah, Delilah S. Dawson, who I definitely want on the show uh, with the books that she has written. Um, and, and she tackles both the Porgs and Rose in her delightful new tales, The Best Pet and Rose Knows. So, according to StarWars.com, what should we have learned from from these books? Um, and, of course, don't forget, Last Jedi, written by Gary Whitta, arrives in May. 
Now, first thing we should have learned was Mon Mothma was skeptical of Crate. While Leia saw Crate's desola- uh, desolation as a selling point, Mon Mothma, Mon Mothma expressed reservations. Uh, she goes, there's reasons a planet is dead, reasons that make it inhospitable to the living. Uh, and Leia argued with her that the vast cave systems would serve as an ideal place to hide from the prying eyes of the Empire. Um, so Mothma agrees to let Leia and the ally and her allies to conduct a planet-wide survey. Uh, while on the planet, she's contacted by by Trusk Bernardo, an ex an ex miner, uh, and apparently this was one of Bell Organa's contacts during during his lifetime. Um, but uh, like Mon Mothma, Han doesn't trust Bernardo. Uh, perhaps with a good reason, because I can't believe you don't see it, Han tells Leia, just because he mams you with courtesy. And then the third thing from this particular book, the the Vulptices, yes, the Vulptices, aren't the only yeah, native... The crystal foxes. Yeah, they're not the only native form on Crate. Um, Luke and Wedge encounter a local fauna, but not the crystal critters that Ryan Johnson introduces us to. Uh, There's a briny ocean beneath the planet's surface, which is home to scaly dune worms um, that resemble creatures Luke used to have dealt with back on Tatooine. After telling Wedge to put away his blaster, Luke explains, they don't bother you if you don't bother, of course, before you can finish them. Uh, it's too late. Han already blasted both of the worms. Much to Chewbacca's dismay, better safe than sorry. So does that mean Crate has sandworms? Apparently so. Do they have spice too? Maybe. Salt. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We're, now we're crossing <laughs> our franchises. Salt. <laughs> now, coming from the Star Wars Adventures, we learn Porgs are very curious. Uh, in the best pet, Emil Graf is dotting on his pet, Noni, a Kowakian monkey lizard. <laughs> Yes. When, when Crater, their droid companion, suggests that there are many creatures far more adorable, the Lothcat, the Convor, the Mooka, the Ewok, and the cutest of all, the Porg. Crater explains that Porgs can squeeze their tiny bodies into any space larger than their skulls and are curious to a fault. Even wild Porgs are unusually smitten with human objects. Um, and then porgs will eat just about anything. They love tasting new things, Crater explains. And it turns out they're, they got plenty of room in their stomachs. They're bottomless plits. So where do they put it all? Uh, in a series of panels, a porg is shown chomping through someone's toothbrush and gulping toothpaste straight from the tube. It lets out a belch, wincing at the awful taste, and washes it down with a glass of water. How does that sound to you? Oh, Okay. Sounds like Tribbles to me. <laughs> now, um... Oh, there we go. There's a crossover. Porgs versus Tribbles. Someone... We need to work on that design. <laughs> yeah, but see, it would take a whole lot more Tribbles to make dinner than it does Porgs. True. Well, the Tribbles would be the appetizer. Yeah, if that... You you realize how small a Tribble is inside of that. They're like, they're like Pomeranians. They're only about a third of the size you think they are. I know. I used to have a Tribble. So you, ha- so you have cream puffs... <laughs> To triple cream puffs to go with the porg, the the rotisserie porg. Okay, maybe not. Rotisserie <laughs> porg. Uh, now, oh. also coming from uh, from Star Wars Adventures, uh, this is the Rose Nose story. Uh, Rose Tico does ho- her homework. Um, she insists her assistance on staying up after her shifts over to read on read up on the Radis Hollow Manuals. Uh, sets her apart from many other mechanics uh, aboard the Resistance flagship. Uh, Rose and Poe, apparently, this is number seven, apparently knew each other prior to The Last Jedi. Uh, when Poe asked Finn and Rose how they met, uh, General Organa is, you know, where General, in the med bay where General Organa is recovering, you get the sense that maybe Rose already knows Poe indeed. Uh, in Adventure Six, depicts that their first meeting you now depicts their first meeting. As with Finn, Rose is immediately starstruck by the famed hero of the battle at Star Starkiller Base. And of course, before the Battle of Crate, before Canto Bite, Rose is already a hero. Um, there was a great epitaph at the beginning of the novelization for Star Wars in 1976 that quotes Senator Leia Mark. Organa, uh, and the quote is, 
They were in the wrong place in the wrong time. Naturally, they became heroes. Uh, naturally, they became heroes in, in Rose Nose. Rose's love for reading makes her an unlikely hero when Poe Dameron and his squadron fall uh, fall to during an attack by the First Order TIE Fighters. She becomes his only hope. If you love Rose and Paige, uh, then you definitely do not want to miss um, Star Wars Adventures number five. Now, she while she may be high tech, uh, she's got an old school sensibility. Uh, as we discover in Forces of Destiny, Rose, Rose and Paige... Um, she thinks fuel is precious, so the resistance won't be able to use speeders. Um, Rose, a shy tinkerer with knowledge beyond her years, reluctantly suggests that they build primitive wheeled vehicles, electric trikes, for efficient transportation. Uh, her bosses, Laszlo, mocks the idea, but Leia tells Rose, go for it. Um, and then... The general gives Rose some wonderful advice. Uh, this is number 10. Uh, when the first truck she builds doesn't start properly, uh, Rose gets discouraged. But Leia offers her a piece of hard-won wisdom. People who taste victory have failed more than anyone else. So keep failing until you find what works. So Then stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, from the DJ book uh, comes the last two. Something we kind of already know, I would think. DJ's a gambler and a cheat. No way. Um, I always thought he was a nice guy. Then uh, the Denzians of Cantonica bet on more than just games and their their fathier or fathier races. Uh, yeah, the fathiers. The fathiers. Um, decades after Anakin beats Sabuba in the Bunta Eve Classic, the dangerous sport of pod racing still has a large following. At least one popular racer, Groff Fordley, Fordley, can be found spending his credits in the casinos of Canto Bite. As it turns out, DJ is a fan. I bet on you sometimes, DJ tells him. You ain't letting me down. The galaxy's a big place filled with surprises, but thankfully some things have never changed. And of course, uh, this is all from uh, DJ Most Wanted. So, that's the 12 things we should have learned from... Uh, from the comic books? From the comics. Well, let's keep it in the um, literary realm, though, because the novelization for The Last Jedi just came out, too. And whether you actually read it or you've lazy read it the way I did, where you get it, um, the audiobook, Jason Fry has uh, some great stuff in there that we didn't um, we didn't get in the movie. And a lot of these are actually on the Blu-ray disc for the movie. Now, the blu- the movie's out on Blu-ray and DVD and everything else. Um, if, you, if there's a format, they put it on it, uh, pretty much. But um, a lot of these are delete, are deleted scenes that are actually back into the story for this uh la- for the last jedi novelization now um you, do you have something there no okay <laughs> um but this this um jason fry wrote this but he actually wrote it with um ryan johnson helping him out to add some of these scenes back in that he wasn't able to leave in the movie so the a lot of the stuff that was added to the book was actually okayed by ryan johnson to start with oh that's cool so um yeah the not it doesn't only re- recount what happens in the film but also gives a little more insight while bringing in some new scenes now the breakdown of that is um number one the third level lesson that Luke gives to Ray is actually still in the book where it was removed from the movie. Uh-huh. Now Luke her first lesson when um remember when Luke wakes up and tells Ray that he'll give her three lessons about the ways of the Jedi and why the Jedi need to end. Uh we see Ray learn that the force what the force is and later on Luke tells her that the legacy of the force is failure. That's the first two lessons is what is the force and the legacy of the Jedi is failure. Well, what was the third lesson? The novelization shows that um the final lesson that the Jedi way is um not what the resistance needs at this time um, by upon seeing some approaching ships by at sea Luke tells Ray that it's a raiding party that's come to plunder the caretakers and Ray immediately decides to help save them but Luke tells her that the Jedi way would be to do nothing at all because if she responds with force the Raiders will return later in greater numbers and more violence and she probably won't be here the next time they come through to stop them so the Jedi are all about balance while what the re- resistance needs is someone like Ray that's ready to step in when there's danger um so as for ships full of raiders luke might have actually stretched the truth
truth just a little from a certain point of view. Mm. Ray charges into the battle, um, or charges into the battle and um, ends abruptly as she realizes that it's a traditional feast and a celebration that the male caretakers had just returned from a fishing at sea for a month. So they're really not there pillaging. But that was the third the third lesson, that the Resistance doesn't need the Jedi. The Jedi, true Jedi, would sit back and do nothing in this mm-hmm. conflict. Well, the second thing they had out of the book here is First Flight. Now, in The Force Awakens, remember, Finn is not a pilot. He doesn't even know how to use the controls on the gun, or the gun position on the First Order star, TIE Fighter. Right. So, um, so and we know that uh, The Last Jedi takes place right after The, um, the Force Awakens. So w- where did he learn to pilot? Because at the end of The Force or the last Jedi, he's flying one of those ski speeders. Well, there's a scene that was cut out of the movie that is put back in here where, um, uh, there. Finn got some actual flight time in before the mission on Crate when he and Rose were actually flying in the um, ship to Cantonica. Uh, the novel provides a look at Finn getting a crash course in piloting from Rose as they journey to Canto Bight. But even more important, oh. that, um, more important than answering the question of where Finn learns his piloting skills is seeing more of the characters of Finn and Rose and how their relationship grows. Plus, we see how much um, of of a foul mouth Rose actually is. Uh-huh. And also, um, did you notice on Canto Bite that their, their shuttle kind of looked like it was crashed in the sand? Yeah. Right. That's because Finn learned how to fly. He didn't quite learn how to land correctly. In the book, it actually uh-huh. goes through him crashing the um, crashing into the beach. Actually, it adds quite a bit to the, to the whole story. Yeah, yeah it does. There's some awesome stuff that's in the book. Um, one they don't have on the list here, though, is they do um, mention when um, – and the scene where they're talking to the Maz Kanata. They do actually say in the book how Maz Kanata is actually reading the Force when she's on certain, at different places and stuff. She can actually – she can feel mm-hmm. the Force. She, obviously, she's not a Jedi, but she does see the for, feel the Force. She can read the Force and read the currents of the cosmic Force. Right. So, but back to the list here, they said number three, Return of a Jedi. This is another one that's actually on the deleted scenes. Luke Skywalker has been hiding on Octu for years, but not using the Force, but simply waiting to fade away and take the Jedi Order with him. But then he shows up on Crate, full of the Force, ready to take on the First Order all by himself. What's changed in his thinking? Well, just after Rey experiences Kylo Ren's side of the story, um, about that fateful night when Luke entered his hut so many years ago, Luke goes out to meditate and opens himself back up to the Force, which is what awakens Leia from her unconscious state. While Rey journeys into the cave under the island, Luke searches the island for her um, to tell her that she was right and that he's gonna—he's actually going to join her, only to find her in the hut touching hands with Kylo Ren. Now, after his fight with Rey, he bears, he bears the full story of the night um, he went to Ben Solo and she offers him the lightsaber one last time, but Luke doesn't accept it, not because he doesn't want to go help the Resistance, but because her mission is now to turn Kylo Ren, not to fight him. Uh, but in the opening, but in opening himself up to the Force, Luke not only senses the power of Rey, but he also senses another and calls out um, to her, and he calls out to Leia. So that's where he opens up. But he was actually running back when he first runs into the um, the hut. That was to tell her he's ready to come with her. Hmm. So um, there was another part of it there that – hang on, let me read because something here reminded me of another part. Um, I'll remember it as we're going. <laughs> So um, the fourth thing here, there was another thing about Luke that the um, book showed. But um, number four was um, from many points of view. Now, much of the film allows the characters through the um, or follows the characters through their journeys. The audience doesn't always see um, what's inside their head or the hearts of the characters. And Jason Fry delves into the minds of the, a variety of characters, seeing the universe through their point of view and sharing their feelings and aspirations. From BB-8 trying to bypass Black One's operating protocols um, in order to repair the X-Wing to General Hux dreaming of ruling the First Order. <laughs> with the older Imperial officer, or with the older Imperial officers and Kylo Ren out of the picture. The novel gets inside the characters' heads, um, and some scenes are experienced very differently from a different point of view than seen in the movie. 
For instance, ah. the Holocaul with Maz Kanata is told from Maz's point of view as she tries to read into the eyes of Finn, Poe, 3PO, and Rose. Okay. Speaking to, of Rose, many times we see through Rose's point of view as she experiences more of the galaxy and relates to it, um, relates it to her older si- lost older sister, um, Paige. Uh, from Tally to TIE Pilots, from DJ to Hondo, or Holdo, sorry. Uh, from Leia and to Leia and Sm- Snoke, um, we experienced the movie from the thoughts and feelings of those in it. Uh, oh, that was the other way. Let me see if they actually touch on this because the picture here just reminded me. Um, if you notice in the book or in the movie, Luke's when Ray first finds Luke, he's on the top in that Glen in his uh, ceremonial Jedi robes. Right. But he doesn't wear those again until he's ready to go destroy the force tree. Well, the book explains that's not the first time he had gone to try to uh, burn down the library. Uh-huh. He was there to um, what he saw was his final right as a Jedi was destroying the books. And the, um, the and that would be the final um, destruction of the Jedi Order. Well, that's he would get all dressed up, ready to go. And when she found him, he was up on that meadow trying to get his courage up enough to be able to go do it. So she interrupted him before he was able to burn down the library. Then later on, when he does go to do it, um, that's why he's wearing those robes again. Okay. That makes sense. So mm-hmm. Interesting. So I think it, it sounds like it might actually be worth actually reading the uh, the book. I think it yeah. will be. Oh, yeah. Um, now, like I said, some of these are, a lot of these are deleted scenes that are on, because the, there's like 10 or 15 or 20 different um, deleted scenes on the uh, Blu-ray. And all mm. of them, you can watch them, and they have audio commentary on all of them also. Okay. So number five here, it says before the storm. Now, if you were thinking not much is ha- or happens between the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi, Luke Skywalker might tell you every word of that sentence is wrong. There's a prologue. Ah, uh, yeah, I remember this part. There's a prologue and more than two chapters full of story that um, pick up just before the beginning of the movie, where Luke ponders the meaning of a dream in which he has reached the old a- or reached old age on Tatooine. Under the um, long-lasting empire, hmm. with his old crush Cammy, in a timeline where Luke had returned the missing droids to the empire, uh, Le- Leia reflects on her role as the center of the as the center of the resistance as she hosts a memorial for Han Solo um, for her forces amid the evacuation pre- preparations. The sisters Rose and, Pla- Rose and Paige Tico get a moment to themselves as they realize they'll um, be fighting the next battle no longer together aboard the same bomber, which is Cobalt Hammer, but with Rose aboard the Ninka on its way to help evacuate Dakar. And finally, the evacuation effort overseen by Cadell Connix and PZ4CO uh, proceeds just as Hux and the First Order arrive. Uh, Poe uh, has an idea to help delay the First Order's inevitable attack. So there's a lot to unpack in there. Uh, the first one, Luke, the whole book starts with Luke on Tatooine, and he's married to Cammy, and he's never he never left. And it's all it's a, it's like an alternate reality. We, I mean, we find out it's a dream, but it's an alternate reality where um, when when uh, R2-D2 escaped, Luke immediately goes out to find him. Because hmm. remember in A New Hope, Luke waits till morning because the sand people are out there and it's too dangerous. Right. Well, the difference is um, by him going out there during the uh, in the evening to immediately get R2, he gets back before anybody wakes up and it's in the middle of the night. So when he's not out looking for R2 when the stormtroopers arrive. So you get a whole scene of the stormtroopers showing up and actually taking the, and them giving the droids over to the stormtroopers. And so he never actually leaves Tatooine and the resistance or the um, rebellion is destroyed. Leia's executed all that stuff. But he doesn't know any of that anyway. He heard it later on um, on the Hollow News that the rebel leader was was killed. But it had nothing to do with him because he's just a moisture farmer on Tatooine. Right. Um, the one that says about Leia, they actually um, – there's two parts of that because she actually has a memorial service for um, – and it's not something she wants to do. It's something that she's told basically as general, you have to do this to allow everybody to have this. So um, she made arrangements so that everybody could watch it while they're still making preparations to evacuate. And they have a quick memorial – or a decent a memorial service for everybody that died at Starkiller Base and then um, also a smaller one for Han. And she just speaks just real quick about it. Um, the Rose and Page stuff was awesome. Pretty much that's all covered in here. And the rest of this is um, covered in here, too. So, yeah, the first couple of uh, chapters, you're like, wait a minute. This is not where the movie started. <laughs> 
But uh, moving on to number six here, it says, um, need another key reason to read the novelization of The Last Jedi? How about sheer entertaining quality of Jason Fry's writing? While Star Wars is about action and good versus evil, the novel also includes other vital ingredients that make a great Star Wars story, like humor, romance, and just plain cool things. By getting into the minds of the different characters, we see different points of view, and sometimes the humor in even the most sober or somber situations. After Finn's first encounter with Rose leaves him stunned, Jason Fry writes that um, apparently Finn's new thing was waking up completely confused. Because remember, the first time he wakes up, he's in the uh, back-to-suit. Second right. time he wakes up, he's tied down to a pallet. Mm-hmm. Well, Rose and Finn's adventures on Canto Bight uh, create quite a few fun scenes between them, including one where the two bicker about which way to go in the sewer after they escape from the jail cell. Uh, through their interactions, we learn a lot of about Rose's reassessment of, fa- of Finn from the hero who was fleeing the resistance as a coward to a man completely devoted to Ray, uh, to someone she loved and felt that she needed to watch over and eventually save. And Finn <clears throat> gets his share of moments too, including hilarious close call or a hilarious close call aboard the Supremacy when an old First Order acquaintance actually recognizes him. Plus, there's a cer- certain humor and realizing that all the leaders in the First Order secretly and perhaps not so secretly hold each other in total contempt and disdain. <laughs> Which actually that's that was, um, if you read into any watching the other movies with the Empire, all the Imperial officers were similar. And of course, BB-8 has his share of misadventures, ambushing Cantobite police in the jailhouse and trying to remove the trash can disguise. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff inside of BB-8's head as he's figuring out how to do the different things. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, and the last thing they have here, it says, um, more answers and little secrets. How do the resistance transports stay hidden from the First Order sensors? And how does DJ know how to find those transports when he sells the resistance out to Hux and Phasma? What does Ray think about Chewbacca allowing all those porgs um, aboard the Falcon? (laughs) Is it a home for them or a larder for the Wookiee? I, I think he was just trying to stock up for uh, for lunch, stock the shelves. That's the other half of that question. Is it just his pantry? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, actually, you do get a little bit more of um, Chewbacca with the Porg and uh, what he thought about it in this also. Now, um, how does the First Order's hyperspace tracking actually work is in this. Um, it's in here. Plus, find out how Poe's mutiny helps Holdo in her final actions. Or what the, caretak- what the caretakers thought of Luke and his slightly destructive apprentice after they both are gone. Because there's another scene added to the end of this where the caretakers take all of Luke's stuff, pack it up, and put it into storage with all the rest of the stuff that's been left there when other Jedi have left. You also get a lot more of who the caretakers actually are and what they're doing there. Right. Plus, Rose shows off her thorns when she bites someone who deserves it. (laughs) It says, who? Better get the novelization to find out. So there's plenty of stuff we didn't cover that's in this. Little things here and there that just make it a fun... This is... This book is definitely worth a read, even if um, you get the audiobook. And um, what's his name? Um, oh, Mark Tompkins, I believe, reads it, which has done lots and lots of Star Wars books. Well, his cool. Yoda and his Luke are dead on. So this this would definitely um, help flesh out the movie and some of the stuff in the movie that seems like it could have used a little bit more explanation. This helps. Right. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I'll definitely have to check it out. So what else we got going from today? Well, uh, I think Derek's got some news about Carrie Fisher and Leia. Indeed. Well, there's been a rumor going around that uh, there's a potential that they might recast Carrie Fisher as Leia. And the rumor has been, and I think there was even a fan petition, uh, that they could get Meryl Streep to play Leia. Which... Well, I think Meryl Streep was saying she would like to do it because she was friends with Carrie Fisher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah, I don't... I don't think I'd almost rather if they're going to have Leia in the movie, it could be a very garbled hologram where we don't get Mm -hmm. a true representation that it is Leia's face, but we know it is and piece Mm -hmm. it and piece it together from different audio tracks from Carrie's, no, from different movies of of Carrie's and piece together the dialogue. Yeah. (sighs) 
Yeah. That's what I would do. I don't know if that would work either, though. Maybe. Well, I will tell you, you probably wouldn't realize it, but it was done that way for um, Sinatra's, Frank Sinatra's Duels album, or Duets album. He came into the studio um, like four or five different times. Just came in, just wasn't feeling feeling like singing. Left. You know, came in, got behind the mic. It's like, yeah, not today. Turned around, walked out. One day he came in and... Uh, no one was expecting it. Started singing. The audio engineer didn't hit record till to almost two songs in because they didn't realize and they weren't prepped. And they went back and um, once once they got the vocal tracks set up um, to record, they already lost like a song and a half. So they went back and pieced it all together. But you would never know it with, when you hear it. And I want and I want to say that those uh, duets actually won a Grammy. I think that year. Yeah, I know they've done it before, but they... I think it could be done with no problem, as long well, as long as she doesn't have a major role in the movie. Also, you'd have to—you could only take stuff from nowadays from before she died because her voice is very was very different in her like in Last Jedi and uh, in Force Awakens than it was when when she was younger. Yeah, yeah. But, but with processing, they they could they can match it up. Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry, it's the audio engineer and me talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could see what Mark Hamill's had to say about it, too. Well, that's what I was getting to. <laughs> so uh, in an interview uh, where it was promoting the home vi- home video release. <laughs> well, technically, <laughs> all the Blu-rays, and everything are still called home videos. Technically, yeah. It just makes you think of um, VHS tapes and stuff. But anyway, uh, promoting the release of The Last Jedi, uh, Mark Hamill was asked about that and his reply. uh, First of all, I don't know what the specific plans were for that character, but just the way Han Solo was more prominent in 7, Luke was more prominent in 8, we assumed that Leia would be more prominent in 9 especially since the dynamic of having Kylo Ren as her son, I think it would be tough recasting, only because she's so indelibly linked with that character. They've already ruled out the idea of computer-generating her performance like they did with Peter Cushing. So, gee, that's got to be a really not an insurmountable problem. But I know this, but I know the script had been developed enough that when we lost her, they had to go back to square one, but she's irreplaceable as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, I thought they said too that when they when she passed that they weren't going to see uh CG or Yeah, they, they said did. straight up they're not going to do that. Yeah. They didn't even ask her family cuz they said we're not going to do that to Carrie. Now, yeah, when when she passed away, uh She still had some big moments to do, including a confrontation with her son Kylo Ren, uh, according to rumors, but those rumors were never confirmed. Uh, When asked about the possibility of becoming a Force ghost in Star Wars 9 himself, Hamill had this to say. You know, I have to phrase it correctly because I had the most amazing entrance ever in my career in 7. I had this incredible exit in 8, so I didn't really have a beginning, middle, and end. I had a beginning and an end, but it feels complete in a way. Whatever they decide, you know, if it's minimal or non-existent, I'm fine with 9, but it's all up to Chris Terrio and J.J. Abrams who are writing it right now uh he also said he also uh added that neither of them have given him any indication as to whether or not luke is going to be seen and or heard in episode nine as they work on the script uh, reports have been saying that filming will begin this july so possible script could be complete by now or near completion so, uh, okay. Well, see, for me with Carrie stuff, I almost would rather just see in the crawl that she had died of old age because that character, we, I think we, I said this when the movie first came out or when, um, when she had first passed that, that the character herself, Princess Leia, had, has had such a, um, a life full of conflict and war and battle fighting for peace that it would be right. the perfect send off <clears throat> that she actually died in peace. Yeah. Yeah. The fo- the and, one time she was able to relax was the last moment of her life. And I would actually like to see them start off with like a bit of maybe not a full funeral but a bit of, you know, some kind of a memorial or something. Yeah. Yeah. 
to Princess Leia in the beginning of the mm-hmm. movie. That would be kind of nice. So they mention it in the opening crawl, and it starts off with, with some kind of s- service. That would be nice. Yeah. Since Star Wars movies start with a um, a pan down to uh, to a ship of some sort, maybe you pan down to the Millennium Falcon, and they're spreading her ashes or something. That would be interesting, yeah. I would say, personally, closed casket back on Naboo, and she's buried with Padme. Yeah. No, because no, I don't think anybody else knows that, that, that Padme was her mother. Because as far as the entire galaxy knows, she was um, from Alderaan. True. Yeah. There are very few. Luke and Leia, and I'm sure Han know knew who her actual family was. Um, then I don't later know, on, do people they? found out. Well, um, in Bloodlines, the entire galaxy finds out who her father was. That she's the uh, daughter of Darth Vader. Okay. But that doesn't mean they know. They figured they knew who her mother was. All uh, right. Because that's why she's not in the Senate in um, The Force Awakens. Because it was a huge scandal when all of a sudden you find out this lady who's been working with us this whole time was actually the daughter of everybody's worst enemy. Ah, okay, I see. Yeah, you got to read Bloodlines to get that one. I will when I get to it. (laughs) (laughs) See, it's interesting. (laughs) Well, the newer books, being that they're part of canon, is awesome because it's able to fill in these stories and you know it actually has to fit in with the actual story. Right, yeah. So okay, well, speaking of knowing who your parents are or not, um, I'm going to quickly go through this since we're slowly running out of time or quickly running out of time. Uh, Simon Pegg says J.J. Abrams' answer to Ray's parentage was different from The Last Jedi. Um, I'm trying to trying to find a good point to pick up on this. Um, Simon Pegg tells it on Josh Horowitz's Happy, Sad, Confused podcast that uh, the answer to who are raised parents may have been un- may have undone what Abrams was at least thinking about doing. Um, his the quote from him was, "Well, I know what JJ kind of intended, or at least what was sort of being chuckled or chucked around. I think it's kind of been undone slightly uh, by Last Jedi, and I don't know." I don't know, he laughs. I think Unkar Plutt is Ray's real father. <laughs> um, of course, you know, we know that's the character Simon Pegg played in Force Awakens. Uh, but he continues on. Uh, there was some talk, you know, a, a kind of relevant lineage for her. But I honestly don't know. And I don't know if anyone, if anybody knows. We shall see. Um, and then... Um, and then his final quote from the show was, when I saw The Force Awakens, I had an odd sense of ennui during it. I felt kind of disappointed and I felt I couldn't figure out why. It ended at the premiere and I felt down and I was like, why do I feel down? And I realized it was because I've been in it. I read the script. I even contributed a little bit, a little bit to the script here and there. So I know, so I've been involved in it. So it wasn't a big surprise. So watching the movie, knowing everything that was going to happen. So what that big thing happens to one of our favorite ever characters, it wasn't a surprise. I realized the payoff for being in it was to have experience of seeing it removed. And I wouldn't swap that because it was an amazing experience, but it was a strange one. So that's where we are with that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, see, that that is the weird thing about it. when um, you're working on a project like this and you know everything that's going to happen. And then it's like, you. well, the Lucas, remember, said that when um, they asked him about The Force Awakens and stuff, that um, he was looking forward to, after selling everything to Disney, finally being able to sit back and watch it as a fan. Yeah. He had right, never yeah. wa- been able to see the movies the way we see them. Right. Because he wrote all of them. He had been there through every stage of every part of every one of those movies. So he, when he finally saw it on the big screen, he was kind of watching everybody else's reactions to see what they were doing. But he could, he had no way of having that same reaction. Right. Right. Now, a lot of times the actors can get that reaction of watching it and detaching from it some, especially if you really only know your parts in the movie. So you can still get surprises and stuff. But um, the, to get, the only way to have an actual true fan experience is not have any idea what's going on until you see it. Right. So. Well, that's going to bring us to a close. Any final thoughts? Mm. No, I think we got we covered it for this week, probably. I still don't know how I feel about 
what what it would be like if Meryl Streep did Leia. I still, I can't see so another actress in that spot in that role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I can either. I I don't I don't think I think the conclusion is we don't want another actress in that role. No. Yeah. I think at this point, almost everybody out there is happy with allowing Leia just to go to fade off into the side. Like I would have loved to see her have the um, Luke Skywalker send off. She never got trained enough in that, and that's another one in the book. You do find out a little bit more or um, a lot more about what training she did have from Luke because she did have some training from Luke. Right. Um, Because the whole Mary Poppins scene outside the ship, actually, they go through a little bit of, from her point of view, what she's doing to get back into the ship. Yeah. See, I still, I really was not a fan of the Mary Poppins. Yeah. Personally. Yeah, it was a little weird, but. Just because Yondu did it. Didn't mean they. Yeah, but Leia didn't need an umbrella. Uh, right. Uh, this is true, but still, it it felt odd. Yeah, it looked odd. It was just odd. I don't know. I I don't think it was necessary. It's just like I really didn't think a lot of the Canto bite or the the subplot with um, Rose and and Finn was truly necessary either. I would. Yeah. It, it might really didn't advance the story way. at all. How, how did did it do anything in the books? In the book, adaptation? not really. Other than just learning a little bit more about the backstory of um, Finn and stuff. Oh, there you go. And so, other and than just fleshing out the relationship between the two of them, yeah, could have potentially added an important new character, depending on what they do with Rose. Yeah, but I also I don't feel like it took anything away from the movie either. Uh, true. I mean, I don't think it helped it, but it definitely didn't hurt it. And it did lead up to another, to a confrontation between Captain Phasma and Finn. True. Which I just discovered, uh, Phasma's armor is made from one of the Emperor's personal boats. Oh, yeah. Was you just finished reading Phasma? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, it was one of his, um, one of the, his personal yachts. It was a Naboo Starfighter, or Naboo yacht. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No um, kidding. They're all silver plated and stuff. Yeah. Yep. So I thought that was kind of cool. Interesting. So, well, on that note, if we don't have anything else. Nope. Ken? Yes, sir. Anything else? <laughs> uh, I fell asleep for a second there. No, I'm I'm good. I'm, I got distracted for half a second. The only one thing left to be said. Give the evacuation code signal. All right, cut the chatter. Jinx, I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I lost R2! <laughs>